I've been preaching the series out of James called Dazzling Christianity for about the last year, and we've reached James chapter 3. And so if you can uh, get turn with me, please, to James chapter 3, verse 9. We're going to continue to look at the tongue this morning. The tongue. And what I'd like to speak about is being consistent in how we speak. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you'd, you'd help me this morning. I pray, God, for this wonderful church, these dear friends. Holy Spirit, we need your power in our lives. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't, in our own strength, walk this Christian life. But, Lord, we need your empowerment. We need your Holy Spirit to come. And I just pray, Lord, as I share this morning, that you would come with your fire, that you would imprint these things in our hearts, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, that we might be able to live differently and live in a way that brings glory to you in everything that we do and everything that we say. And Lord, sometimes that seems impossible, but we just we put our trust in your spirit, in your power in our lives, and in your grace upon our lives and upon our mouths. And I just trust you for a wonderful time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So James chapter 3, verse 9, I'm going to start there. It simply says, With our tongues we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, he's writing to the church, my brothers, my dear friends, my Christian brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, my dear friends, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grape vine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so, let me just begin by a short little recap of a couple of minutes. We're nearing the end of chapter 3, and uh, we come to the end of this journey in chapter 3. And chapter 3 starts with this warning that James has for preachers. <laughs> he says, not many of you should want to be preachers, because preachers are judged more strictly than other people. And so, like I said, he gives the, the preachers a good thrash around the head. And then he goes on, and secondly, and says... He addresses the whole church community. He says, all of us stumble in many ways in how we speak. So he starts with the preachers, and then he says, the whole church community, we all stumble in many ways. Third, though, he says, there's a great blessing that can come if we can win this battle. This is the battle that, the ultimate battle for any Christian is the battle with the tongue. Once we've won this battle, as we win this battle, we win every other battle. So that's what James says. And so he says, there's a great blessing that comes if we can control our tongues, if we learn to, uh, by the Spirit, control how we speak. And lastly, and we had a look at this over the last couple of weeks, he gives these illustrations of the power of the tongue, either for good or for evil. And so he says the tongue, like a ship's rudder, or like a horse's bridle, can steer our lives, can set the course of our lives towards teleos, the Greek word, teleos, for maturity. That's all it means. Perfection. Some translation says you can be perfect. That word teleos simply means full grownness. It means growing up. It means maturity. Paul uses the same language. He says God doesn't want you to be a child all of your life. He wants you to grow up and be a man. Teleos. Perfection. Maturity. And he says it's possible. 
And we want our tongues positively to steer us like a ship is steered with a rudder towards maturity. And at the same time, James gives these other illustrations and he says, well, actually, unfortunately, the tongue can also be a wild animal, a wild fire, full of deadly poison, and ultimately it can also steer us away from maturity to continual immaturity in how we live. And so, these verses that we read today, uh, James wants us to understand just how gross, just how perverse it is to be inconsistent as a Christian with your tongue. And I have to say (laughs) that I find it particularly difficult to preach on this this morning because I have battled with my tongue all my life. (laughs) That's the truth of it. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. I have battled with my tongue all my life. I am convinced, I'm absolutely convinced that that to get anywhere in the Christian life, we have to get control of our tongues. And so I'm not preaching this at you. (laughs) I want you to know that this morning. I'm preaching this with you, saying God is speaking to me. All right? Is that okay? So we're just going to set the tone. I'm not accusing anyone. Uh, Most of all, I want to speak to my own heart this morning. So James, he never says how we should deal with this problem of our tongues. But he's writing to Christians, as I've said already, twice in that verse, he says, my brothers, my dear friends, he's writing to the church, he's saying, these things ought not to be so. So he's making it quite clear that he feels that we can deal with the problem. He just doesn't tell us how. And uh, I said it a couple of weeks ago, you know, the world, the culture that we live in says we should just restrain ourselves. It's better to say nothing than to say something and get yourself into trouble. But I I I said a couple of weeks ago, I believe God calls us to something much higher than this. Not just keeping quiet. God calls us to a deep-hearted affection in the church that is contagious, that is communicated, that is love in action, and it starts with our mouths, how we speak to each other. And so God calls us to something much higher than not just speaking. He's calling us to positive communication, loving communication. And I said to you, well, how is that possible? Well, it's only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at Acts chapter 2, when on the day of Pentecost, the promised Holy Spirit comes, and He falls on them as with tongues of fire. That's what it says. The tongues come to rest on them, and the first thing that happens is that their mouths are transformed, and they start to speak the praises of God. They start to speak in other languages, and the the first thing that God touches when the Holy Spirit is poured out is the tongue. And so, I want to say to myself, (laughs) it is possible. Why is it possible? Because we have everything necessary that we need to control our tongues. We have the Holy Spirit. He has poured Himself out upon us. We are no longer citizens of the kingdom of darkness. We are citizens of the kingdom of light. We have the power and the strength to become gracious people because we have the grace of God living inside of us, motivating us, changing us, transforming us. It is possible. But I want to say this. We have to be convinced, if it is to be possible, we have to be convinced in our knowers, we have to know in our knower that the tongue is important enough to take a radical stand on, to take action on no matter what it costs us. 
We have to be convinced of that. And I've said this already, I just want to say it again. James is not talking about salvation. He's talking to people that already are saved. What he's trying to do in chapter 3 is persuade you and I as believers that the tongue is incredibly powerful to influence your life and the life of your family for good, or it has the same equivalent power to influence your life for bad, depending on how you use it. And so... He's trying to say to us that there's a consistency in our speech that is a matter of serious sin if we do not handle our tongues correctly. And he says it very plainly. He says, with our tongues we bless our Lord and Father, and with our tongues we curse people who are made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth comes blessings and curses. And he concludes with this appeal, which is at the same time, it's, a, it's like a shocked appeal. He, com- he appeals to them and says, this ought not to be so. And I love James. It's, he's, he's very straightforward. He's, uh, he's blunt in a nice way. He doesn't get all philosophical. He doesn't get all complicated. He says some very, very simple things to us as Christian believers. The first thing he says is this. That for Christians, there's an expectation to be consistent. God has an expectation of us to be consistent. There's something very weird and strange for a Christian to be praising God one minute to be worshipping God, to be enjoying the, the, the people of God, to be lost in prayer, and to be enjoying the, the Spirit of God moving in our lives. There's something weird for us to be doing that one moment and the very next moment cursing someone or speaking badly of someone. He's saying there's something weird about that. It's uh, intrinsically weird. It's like people saying they are disciples of Jesus, but they don't value the church community. They don't pray. They don't give their finances. There's something weird about that. It is completely inconsistent with saying that you are a disciple of Jesus. And I, I want to say, I've said this before, I think in the kingdom, I'm discovering that I've been in, 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 in church leadership now 20 years. Uh, 12 years in this church, 8 years at another church. There are many saved people in the kingdom. Many, many saved people. There are few friends of God. Few. I don't say that to accuse anyone. I just say it's the reality. Few friends of God. My friends, I want to encourage you. I believe James is encouraging us this morning. There's something weird in our lives if we are speaking one thing, but we live differently. And what he does, he zeroes in on the tongue and he says, it's weird for you to be praising God and at the same time to be cursing other people, speaking badly of, this ought not to be so, my friends. And so he's encouraging us. He's used these kind of phrases over and over in the first three chapters. He says, be doers of the word, not simply just hearers of the word. There's a blessing that comes in your life when you are doer of the word. And so it's an extraordinary thing that we as Christians can have a relationship with God. And it's also an extraordinary thing that our tongues can be used to insult other people or speak badly of other people. And James is is appealing to us. He's saying, be what you are. You are a new creation. You are a worshiper. Your tongue is no longer your own. Your tongue is your father's in heaven. Your your tongue is, it belongs to your father in heaven. Use it to bring glory to him. Use it to worship him. Use it to speak with faith over other people's lives, over your own life. And he says, if we're not doing that, that the tongue really is 
full of inconsistency, and that's the deadly poison that he's speaking about, that we can live in this inconsistent way. The second thing I believe he says is this. He says quite plainly, men and women are made in the image of God. Men and women are made in the image of God. It's one, spe- it's one thing to speak badly to your dog, <laughs> to give your dog a kick. All the vets in the, order, the church don't... I'm not, I'm not promoting... Um, any abuse of animals. I'm just saying it's one thing to speak badly of an animal, all right? It's entirely another thing to speak badly of a human being because what does James makes quite plain? He says men and women are not animals. Men and women are, have this distinction from the animal kingdom. They are made in the image of God. Men and women are the pinnacle, the highest point of God's creation. We are not just stardust. <laughs> We are not just uh, monkeys evolving. We are not. We are made in the image of God. We are the highest point of His creation, the pinnacle of His creation. And when you insult someone else by how you speak, you are insulting the only other living thing on the planet that is made in the image of God Himself. When I do that, I'm doing the same thing. That's why God takes it so seriously. Because He places huge dignity and honor on human life. God so loved the world that He came and He sent His Son. Yes? God so loved us. He considered us worthwhile. So worthwhile that He left glory behind and came and said, I choose to die that I can make you my own again. I'm coming down from heaven. I value you so much that I want to do that for you. I love you so much that I want, you to, do, I want to do that for you. And... Uh, James's appeal. Brothers, it shouldn't be like that. He's a warm-hearted man. He might be blunt, but I, I believe he's a warm-hearted man. He loves the family of God. So he's, he's rebuking them and encouraging them at the same time. My friends, my Christian friends, this ought not to be so. You know, when we speak badly of each other, we, 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 we grieve the Spirit of God. And sometimes it takes a while to realize that you've grieved the Spirit of God. Sometimes you do it unconsciously. Um, I believe that true spirituality is closing the gap between you speak the word that you, and then realizing that you've spoken the word that's wrong. Truly spiritual people realize instantly, and so they don't want to grieve the Spirit of God and say, God, I'm so sorry, please forgive me right now. You know what the problem comes is when we speak the bad word, and this is my problem. Speak the word, and then I just hold on to it for like as long as I can. Are you like that sometimes, or is it just me? Okay, it's just me. All right, that's fine. But, but uh, God, is, God is working on, on me about that. And, and so James has used this phrase before. He, he says, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Remember, in, in chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, finishes like that. Let's, let's commit ourselves to try and live like that by the power of the Spirit. So, you know, speaking badly, you can call it whatever you like, gossip, it's a defense mechanism, really. It's a, it's a defense me- mechanism to preserve ourselves, to pr- preserve our self-esteem. It's a, it, it arises out of a sense of insecurity and inferiority that we carry in our hearts. And so we think if we tear down other people, we can build ourselves up. And so I think in the spiritual, the spiritual root of gossip is a lack of understanding of the grace of God in our own lives. Speaking badly of other, other people, it's because we don't understand the grace of God in our own lives. And secondly, it shows emotionally a root of, of, of insecurity. And so, I want to appeal to you this morning that if we could just altogether be convicted 
of speaking badly, of gossiping, as we were of the grossest sin, it would really powerfully affect our lives and how we, the direction in which we, we move. It really would. You know, God loves us all equally. Every man and woman on the face of the planet, he loves equally. He loves you as much as he loves me, and he loves me as much as he loves Petri. There's no hierarchy in God's, with God's love. Do you think that by speaking other people down, it makes God love you more? He loves us equally. Yeah, I think this is a good definition of gossip. Gossip is trying to make someone look less perfect so that you can look better. That's what gossip is. It's trying to destroy someone else so that they look less better in people's eyes and so that you can look or I can look better. And that's when we grieve the Holy Spirit when we do that. And so I believe that if we understand what James is saying in these simple verses, it can so lead us that we can have true mourning for that kind of sin and true mourning for that kind of sin will bring repentance and we'll stop doing it. All right, so thirdly I want to say James, James kind of implies that we're not qualified to judge other people. You see, when we speak evil of others, when we speak badly of others, we are, and they are made in the image of God, like I've said, when we do that, we take upon ourselves a role that is not ours, because we are taking on a prerogative of God. God is the judge. When we speak badly of other people, we take that prerogative on ourselves, and we make ourselves the judge. My opinion is right. The way I see this person is right. Therefore, I'm judging them. Secondly, when we speak evil of another person who's made in the image of God, there's an assumption on our behalf that we are somehow special. (laughs) That God and what God says applies to everybody else, but not me. I'm the exception. I don't have to live like that. I can speak as badly as like about other people. It doesn't have anything to do, it's got everything to do with anyone else, nothing to do with me. Well, I've said this many times. I want to say it again. In the kingdom of God, there are no exceptions. None. You might like to think that you are the exception. You're not the exception. Every one of us is before the throne of, of grace is a sinner. All of us are dirty, rotten scoundrels. All of us need a saviour. There are no exceptions in the kingdom of God. So let's get over it. We are not the exception. There are no exceptions. Everyone has sinned, and everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need a saviour, and we all need Jesus, and we all need the Holy Spirit. So I think what we've tried to do Sometimes, and I have to say this, you know, in in 20 years of ministry, I think the thing that robs a church of life and joy more than anything else is gossip. It just robs the life of God. And uh, I'm not saying there's any particular gossip going on now. I'm just saying we need to be guarding ourselves the way that we speak because it robs the life of God in any church. It just robs the life of God. And you see, I think the problem is, is that we try and make it an excusable thing. We try and speak it away. So outwardly, we have a moral kind of uh, exterior. We worship God and we pray and we might be those that feel the presence of God, got a devotional life in place. But I'm saying, what I believe James is saying is this, until you fear gossip, how many of you are afraid of snakes? I am. I don't like snakes, especially big sort of 
venomous ones. I believe James is saying this, until you fear gossip like you fear the most venomous snake of your nightmares, until you fear it like that, until you don't want to have anything to do with it like that, you will not get ahead in the Christian life. We won't make progress. Because we tolerate it. We think it's okay. Actually, it's not. Actually, it is a poisonous, vile, ugly, evil, malevolent, demonic thing. Unless we see it like that, we tolerate it. Always going to trip up. Always going to trip up. So James uses this phrase, we bless God and we curse men. So I believe this, fifth point, and I've only got six, all right? So the second last one. James asks us, he's appealing to us to consider our responsibility as Christians. That's what he's appealing to us. He's saying, my brothers, this ought not to be so. It's not complicated. It's not philosophical. It's very simple and straightforward. He's saying it's our plain, simple, straightforward duty as Christians to use our tongues well, consistently bringing glory to God. We prayed in the prayer meeting before. Our tongues should be the pens of a skillful writer singing the praises of God, glorifying Him. That's what we should be aiming at and, and not aiming at anything else. We're not under the Mosaic law. We're not condemned. There's no condemnation in Christ. We're new creations in Christ. This is the grace of God. We celebrate that with all of our hearts. But we have a duty to work out our salvation. And how we work out our salvation is by doing our duty. And that's not a fashionable word anymore, is it? I love Churchill. Do your duty. <laughs> and what's your duty as a Christian? God, how you speak. With, as best as you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak positively, with faith. God, how you speak. Speak life over people. Not giving in to that venomous snake. So why does James say we should do our duty? Well, I want to give you two little points under this um, second last point. <laughs> Why? Well, James tells us. The first thing is this. The tongue's pollution is what remains most. The pollution that the, the tongue brings, that's what you remember. So he's saying with our tongues we bless God, but we curse men. What is the thing that remains most in your mouth? Is it the bitter or is it the sweet? What do you remember most? You remember the bitter, don't you? That's what he's saying. He's saying the pollution is what remains. And the illustration he uses is quite clear. He says it's like you're standing at a tap with water. And uh, water comes out of the tap, but if two separate sources of, are there for the water, and the water is flowing, the one is sweet and the one is salty, what, what one are you going to taste most? The sweet one or the salty one? He says obviously you're going to taste the salty one, and you, you don't even know that those things are possibly coming from the same source. So he's saying, what is left behind is what you remember most, the bitter. And then secondly, he says, the tongue is an index of the heart. Does spring, a spring pour forth from the same opening, fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. In the previous verse, he's kind of invited us to stand at the tap and to think about the fact that uh, although a Pure source can flood, can be influenced by other things. Here in verse 12, he invites us to go right beyond the tap to the actual source of the spring. And he says, simply, a, a fresh spring can't produce salt water. It's impossible. 
And to bring his point, he just very simply refers to plants. He says, well, consider figs, olives, and grapes. And the way he frames the question is to let us know that obviously he thinks, no, this is, this is what he's trying to get us to think. No, it's not possible. And why do we know that? Because Genesis, right from the beginning, Genesis 1.11, God organizes plant life and he describes it and he says, each is to bear fruit according to its kind. And we all know this, isn't it? The nature of the fruit it, it, it tells us what kind of tree it is. And so Jesus, Matthew 12.24 says it's impossible. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So James is saying... Another reason why we should watch how we speak as Christians. Because a grape can only come from a vine. An olive tree can only produce olives. Salt water can only have one source. And sweet water can only have one source. It's very, very simple. What is, comes from within comes out of our mouths. Bitter words come from a bitter heart. Critical words come from a critical heart. Unloving words come from a heart where the love of Jesus is a stranger. What comes out of our hearts is what is hidden in the deepest places of ourselves. And so, grace, we've been preaching the grace of God for years in this church, grace enables you to control your tongue. That's what Paul says. He says, the grace of God enables me to say no to everything that's ungodly. What enables you to say no to that thing that you want to say? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the grace of God. Malice and anger come out of the mouth. And remember, I preached from James chapter 1. I said this. This is what James says. Every good and perfect gift comes to us from our Father in heaven. The Father of lights. Remember we looked at that? Every good thing comes from Him. Therefore, every bad thing comes from below, comes from within. And strange as it may seem, and I'll finish with this, my last point, to cleanse, cleansing our tongues, the fa- it's the fastest way to grow spiritually. Getting control of how you speak is the fastest way to grow spiritually. You know, the Bible encourages us, it says, walk as children of light. You know what the problem is when you're walking in the light? The light exposes every little bit of darkness in your life, doesn't it? That's why it's uncomfortable to walk in the light. That's why it's hard to walk by the Spirit sometimes, because Jesus shows you every nook and cranny, every little thing in your life that he's putting your finger on and says, I want you to change that. Just because it's hard doesn't mean we, ha- we shouldn't act on it. And so I want to say this. If we speak about others and there's even a hint of bitterness in our hearts and in our voices, Helen said to me the other day, my love, your heart is bitter. If we speak about any person with bitterness, know this. No matter how much you've prayed that day, no matter how much you've had a good devotion that day, no matter how much money you might have given to the church over the years, you might have done all the right things. When your heart is bitter, you might have even evangelized that day. It is impossible. What James is saying, the source of that bitterness is not from the Holy Spirit and never can be. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so James is asking us in a radical way, is appealing to us as believers to deal radically with our speech. And he's saying, 
I believe he's saying a very simple thing. The biggest mistake that we can make as Christians is that we confuse spirituality with our grudges. <laughs> we confuse spirituality with our grudges. We think God is always on our side. Always. God is always on my side. Don't we? And the great lament of James is, a salt spring cannot produce fresh water. So, I conclude with this. I believe as James is saying this, there's no hope for us to mature as Christians, to go from immaturity towards teleos. There's, there's no hope for us until we become convicted, absolutely convicted of the poison, the snake of gossip, speaking badly. And unless we, at the same time, learn this, that there's no hope unless we understand and become fully convinced that God is never behind our attempts to make other people look bad. Less than perfect. He's never behind those attempts. It's impossible. (laughs) And secondly, if you're serious, if you've been convinced of this, and if you take action on how you speak, the blood of Christ is faithful to go on cleansing and washing us from all sin. If we take action, we will be amazed at the blessings that we see in our lives. We will be amazed and surprised that you start to feel better when you don't gossip. Isn't that amazing? Remember I said a couple of weeks ago that we we need to so speak over people. We have been saved by the grace of God and we are forgiven. Well, we need to so speak over each other's lives that we help each other to feel forgiven. I forgive you and you can feel that by how I speak to you, that I'm not holding something back. In the same way, I'm convinced that if we stop speaking badly of others, we will feel clean. We are clean in Christ, absolutely but you'll start to feel clean as your mouth is cleansed. Our worship will be more passionate than ever. Our prayer life will be more powerful than ever. I said to the guys as we were praying this morning, I believe that um, this church is, is coming to a point of breakthrough. It is. And I feel this. Sometimes we want breakthrough to be instant, like that. Breakthrough. We've got breakthrough. And suddenly we just threw to the other side. You know what I felt God say to me this, this week? Sometimes breakthrough is more like pregnancy. It's more like giving birth. It is incredibly painful to get through because God is doing a deep, deep thing and you're going through it, you're going through it, you know it's coming, you know it's coming, you know it's coming and then suddenly it's born and it's there. I think we're going through those pangs as a church. God, we are, we are, God is bringing us to a point of breakthrough but it's like we're giving birth to this thing and it's going to take some conviction on our part. One, of how we speak. There are people that speak with faith, full of the promises of God. We speak love. We speak generously. One of the basic things that God wants us to put in the place. Is that going to happen instantly? Is God, um, is God, is God going to do it for us? No, He's not going to do it for us. Because James says, no, God doesn't do it for you. With the same mouth, you bless God and you curse others. Obviously, God doesn't do it for you. You have to do it yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, I've tried my best to be <laughs> uh, as encouraging as I can. But it's not, an easy, it's not an easy text, is it? 
in that sense. So it's, there's no light way of, pre, of preaching this. And I, I do trust that you feel encouraged, that you feel, yes, God, I'm convicted. Yes, God, I'm going to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take control of my tongue. I'm going to see that it, that it can be a snake and I'm going to, I'm going to make it a pen in the, in the hands of a skillful writer by the power of your Spirit. Yes? And so I think it would be appropriate for us to break bread this morning. And you know, I felt in the shower this morning, <laughs> we, have a, we have, a, have had a wonderful history of what God has done with us in the last 12 years. It's been amazing. We've been on this journey together. And I just felt God speak to me and say, let, let, let lead the people to pray and say sorry for things that have been said in the past that have not pleased me. Some of you have, have, have never been, might not have been in this church when we started. Uh, some of you have not been part of that whole journey. But I just felt on behalf of the church, for the sake of the future of what God wants to do, for the sake of the breakthrough that is being, could we, even if you are just recently joined the church, you know the amazing thing about Moses, the amazing thing about Daniel, the amazing thing about other great men in the Bible, is they take responsibility for sin that is not even their own. And they say, I'm sorry, God. On behalf of all the people, I am sorry that we have not pleased you. I'm asking you this morning, and not, ev- not everyone is here this morning, but those of us that are, are here, and I, I don't want to manufacture this, but if you feel in your heart, can you pray with us? Can you stand and say, God, we want to repent for every evil thing that has been spoken out of our mouths, we want, to, we, we want to say sorry for the things that we've said that have hurt people and grieved people, even in the, this church community. We ask God now that you'd forgive us. We, we, we come to your mercy. We come to the cross. We say, sorry, Lord. We ask that you'd wash us, cleanse us. We ask us that you'd give power by your Holy Spirit that we might speak differently from now on. And we simply ask you that, Lord, for the sake of the future of this community. Well, no other reason. Yes. It, it is worth appealing about. Can we just say sorry together and say, God, we're trusting you for a magnificent thing. And so if you feel that on your heart, I want to ask you to stand and pray with me. And then we're going to come to the Lord's table and we're going to break bread together. And um, God promises every time we break bread, we remember the broken body of Jesus and we remember the blood poured out that saves us from all sin and washes us white as snow. I'm wearing a white shirt today white as snow. Might have been black like this, but before I knew Jesus, now I'm white as snow. Amen? Same for you, if you know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, if you're visiting, I want to give you the chance to respond. Jesus just simply says this, we can enjoy a whole new life with him simply by saying sorry, by saying, God, I need you. I recognize that I've done things that are wrong. I recognize that I'm a sinner, and all I want to do is get right with you. And Lord, the, the Word says, if you, if you confess that with your mouth and you believe in your heart, instantly what was black becomes white. Where you were in darkness, you now move over to light, and you never, ever, 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 ever go back. And so perhaps might not know Christ this morning. And if you'd like to pray, I'll pray with you while we're breaking bread. You can just come forward and, we, and I'll, I'll pray with you and lead you in a prayer. But let's, let's lift our hands together and uh, let's ask God for His mercy and ask Him to come.
Jesus, I want to thank you for this, these dear friends, these beloved friends that you have called to be part of this church. I thank you, Lord, for every single family that has been part of this church from the first day that we met in our lounge in Watford, the three couples that were there, and you birthed something in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for every single person, the literally hundreds of families that have been part of this journey as we have moved from one place to another until you brought us here to St. Albans. I want to say thank you for every single family, those that are still part of the church, those that have moved on. And God, we come, a small portion of all of those people, and we come on behalf of this church community, and we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us for the things that have come out of our mouths that have not pleased you that have hurt other people, that have brought death where we could have been speaking life. Lord, we are sorry. We, we come on behalf of this church, but we pray that you would bring us fully into a whole new season in this church as we say sorry and lay aside those things that have held us back. Lord, we are sorry. I am sorry, Lord, for the things that I've said that have not pleased you, that have hurt other people. Forgive me, Jesus. We pray, Lord, in, the, in our families, the same thing. We just say, sorry, Lord. We're, as husbands, we've spoken harshly with our kids, with our wives. We're wives where we've spoken harshly with our husbands, with our kids. Lord, we are sorry. We ask you to forgive us. Lord, we ask that you would help us. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that is upon us. We thank you, Lord, that you've poured yourself out. And we ask that you would help us to control how we speak by the power of your Holy Spirit. We have all that we need, Lord. We, we want to put to death the snake, the poisonous tongue, and let it live differently by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would bring us fully into this breakthrough. We thank you for the, the pains of childbirth that we are living in. And Father, we look forward to the baby coming. We look forward to the new thing that you are doing in this community. We are so excited, Lord. And I pray there will be a new measure of faith spoken out of every mouth in this church. There will be a new measure of, of prophecy that comes. There will be greater encouragement. There will be everything to a greater measure because of the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, what I'm praying for is that you would revive us, that you'd revive this church, that you'd revive your church in this nation, that your church would live different, Father. We wouldn't make excuses anymore. We wouldn't tolerate these things anymore. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father.